1: Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for two fifty. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Thank you. You're welcome, sweetie. Have a good day. The demand for healthcare care professionals who deliver both comfort and critical care is growing.
4: FindNursingSchools.com connected me with an accelerated Bachelor's of Nursing degree program in my area with expanded capacity, so I could complete the program in 16 months. Now I'm on the path to an in-demand career that offers job stability, flexible schedules, competitive pay, and the choice of where to work. Visit FindNursingSchools.com to begin your journey today.
1: Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast centre and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember, X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka.
2: Hello dear friends. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share innovative thoughts with the day's leading scientific and esoteric experts, supporting the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm Guido Wiecka. This hour we'll be exploring the fear that binds you. Fear has many faces, not all of them bad. It's a natural response to danger, designed to keep us safe and ensure the continuation of the species. However, over the years, unprocessed trauma and deeply held fear has also created many problems that threaten the very longevity it was designed to preserve. Science is just discovering the far-reaching negative effects of unprocessed fear. Fear can block joy, interconnectedness, intuition, love, and health. Fear can be very complex, impacting us on all four levels physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, and thus needs to be addressed on all four levels as well. When and why did fear become so problematic? Why do we store trauma to our detriment? Does fear compromise our well-being in hidden ways? Is it possible to turn this around? If so, how? With this, this hour to shine light into the shadow of fear is Dr. Carla Marie Manley, the author of Joy from Fear, create the life of your dreams by making fear your friend. Carla is a clinical psychologist in private practice using holistic mind-body-spirit approach. Dr. Manley works with individuals and groups focusing on transformational growth and healing. She's an authority in the area of fear-based disorders including trauma, anxiety, and depression. Her website, drcarlamanley.com. Carla, thanks so much for joining us on Mission Evolution.
5: Thank you for having me, Gwilda, it's a pleasure.
2: Where did you get your Ph.D.?
5: My Ph.D. is from Pacifica Graduate Institute in Southern California.
2: I, I find that a, a very fascinating place. Uh, wasn't that, um, didn't Joseph Campbell have something to do with that place?
5: Joseph Campbell had a great deal to do with it. And in fact, it's a Jungian-based program, um, very intensive program. And there is a wonderful Joseph Campbell Library on the campus. So incredible wealth of information um, in the bookstores uh, in the wealth of books at the campus as well as the professors
2: yeah didn't his didn't his wife uh, donate his books his actual physical <laughs> personal collection yes she did how fine is that um, so what did you do before having a private practice as a clinical psychologist
5: um, my road is a bit interesting in, in that it wasn't linear. When I was very young, I knew I wanted to be a psychologist. I wanted to be like Lucy in the Charlie Brown shows, right, and in, in little comic strips, and didn't really know why and didn't pay attention to why. But fortunately or unfortunately, I tested quite high on IQ tests, um, even as a young child. So my family, which was a large family, um, kindly thought that I would be best in a career such as law so so i was directed in 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 that um To to have a a future in that realm. And so ultimately, my body uh, decided that I wasn't going to do that. And I suffered from severe anorexia when I was in law school, and left law school, and decided to enroll in a master's program. And my um, family, particularly my father was so dismayed that he didn't even go to my graduation, because Mm -hmm. I had let him down and that sort of thing. So I continued on being the good Catholic girl that I was raised to be and got married and had two beautiful children and continued working in the um, financial realm in the in the investment realm and was um, made quite a did very well for the people I worked for and my life looked really great from the outside and I write about that in joy from fear the right you know the right car the right house the right husband everything looked great from the outside but inside it wasn't a good marriage it wasn't a good life I wasn't doing something that pleased me and anyway. I'm not a uh, money motivated person. I'm a definitely a heart motivated person. And there was a day where a sequence of events, but one particular day when I decided I really needed to go back and fulfill my dreams, which was my dream was to be a psychologist. And I had supported my husband through many of his dreams and had never asked to be supported in a dream and finally had the nerve to do that. And he said, Oh no, no, you have enough education. You know, I like things the way they are and that was the beginning of of, you know a rather swift end and I did ultimately go back to school, worked full-time while I obtained my doctorate and really upended my life by what I didn't understand at the time but I understood as I grew and learned was by facing my fears and making it through my fears. So that was my life before clinical psychology.
2: <laughs> so I understand fo- you focus on utilizing transformational fear. What is transformational fear?
5: Transformational fear, Gwilda, is what I discovered um, again through my own journey, but then I did research. One of the beautiful benefits of being in a doctoral program is they give you the task of doing your dissertation. And I took that to heart as I tend to do things. And I did a quantitative and qualitative analysis of fear so I could better understand if my experience was unique or if there was something in my life experience that I could understand and embrace and use to help other people. So I developed these questionnaires, did Ultimately, close to a thousand um, uh, questionnaires, with um, of both qualitative and quantitative, to understand what it is about fear.
2: What, what do you mean by qual- uh, quantitative and qualitative?
5: Okay, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Qualitative simply means that I designed a questionnaire that had open-ended questions so that the, the person taking the survey could give me their heartfelt answers. And interestingly enough, that is really the most difficult part of research because you're not feeding in numbers. You're actually having to dismantle you know, 750 questionnaires to find the common themes. So you look for the themes like anxiety, depression, drug use, and you use them to find out words, keywords like stuck, immobilized, drowning, and you put them into categories. So you're looking for the quality of people's responses and then having to ch- funnel it down to find the commonalities and then in quantitative i used what's called a likert scale which we're familiar when we look at a, a, a research or a survey that says zero to ten or zero to five those are likert type scales so you get numbers that people rate i am held back by fear of the future zero to you know zero to five you know zero would be never five might be always depending upon how it's set up so with those two research instruments that I designed again one looking at the quality of somebody's experience in their own words and then the other one being able to you know do it statistically, you know, easily statistically to find out where people are in their relationship with fear. What I came to understand is that we have this piece of fear, as you were talking about in the introduction, that is good for the survival of the species. You know, fear of a rabid dog, fear of a mountain lion when we're on a hike, right? Those are good fears to have. They keep us safe. However, there's another part of fear that I break down into destructive fear, constructive fear, and ultimately transformational fear. And that's the piece that's you know, your question is, what is transformational fear? So we need to understand that we have this voice in us. In fact, yesterday I was working with knee deep with a client on on her fears. And what we find is she has this destructive voice in her. We all have this, right? That says, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You better never do that. And hers is a big fear of success. So her destructive fear will get in very sneakily and keep her st- Stuck and unhappy and feeling highly um, worthless ineffective so what so we're this
2: the fear the fear that you're talking about here then is kind of like as a result of our, our conditioning and our blocks and our our personal damage versus clear and present danger
5: absolutely it is largely how we were conditioned by family and then once we break free of the family or while we're with family, we're often being conditioned by society. So it becomes almost a dance between what I want to be, what my inner spirit wants to be, and knows that I'm meant to do to help myself and help the world, and the dance from the outer world, society's expectations, and what society wants us or parents want us to be. And we want to please because we somehow we equate, well, I know how we do it, we often equate pleasing others with survival because if we please others, then we are loved and we are safe. That's what the brain does. And that so. Makes,
2: makes sense, doesn't it, given yes. that we're um, um, social creatures, we can't survive without the group.
5: Yes. And so we know from a very young age, you know, pre verbal, that if we are not the loved child, if we are not the favorite, if we are not the special one, that we get less attention, less touch. And then the brain says, well, if I'm getting less attention and less touch, then I'm getting Less food, less shelter, less clothing—not necessarily true, but w- but the you know the brain breaks it down that way. So we immediately—and that's where it's interesting—where sometimes families will have somebody who acts out a lot and gets a lot of negative attention. Well, that's an example of somebody realizing, hey, some attention's better than no attention at all. Right. Otherwise I'm, I'm going to starve
2: alone in the dark here. Yes, and
5: yeah. the wolves will get me. Yeah. So what I realized as I started breaking it down was the people. People who were stuck in destructive fear my well, we're own have life to talk
2: about stuck in destructive fear on the other side of a commercial break okay Carla and I will return shortly so don't you go away you're listening to the mission evolution radio show coming to you on the X zone broadcast network www.xedvn.net <laughs>
6: Yeah.
4: Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.
6: SIMULTV.com
3: Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course.
6: We all know about SIMULTV.com SIMULTV.com
2: Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution radio show, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. Our guest this hour is ours, clinical psychologist, Dr. Carla Manley. Her website, drcarlamanley.com. Carla, we were just getting into being stuck in negative fear. Would you mind picking that up?
5: Thank you. So what happens for, for many of us is we get stuck in some, si- some sort of fear, generally a fear that we are not good enough, that we are not worthy, that we can't do something or shouldn't do something, something of that flavor. And that, it doesn't speak to us so loudly and plainly, otherwise we might conquer it more readily. And you might even be able to imagine that I talk about destructive fear and constructive fear as if they are alive, actual creatures, right? Because in essence, they are in the psyche. And when we are able to look at them as being active creatures within us and around us, we're able to start having discussions with, with the fear.
2: So you know, you know what I find fascinating from what you're saying, though, is how many of us even recognize that our fear of failure is even a fear?
5: absolutely that's the tricky part that's the tricky part and I'll give you a really good example Um, one of the common things I run into with people they'll say I don't like confrontation right I don't like having open conversations with people or direct conversations they have no idea when they first start talking that way, it's one of women's most common fears, I'm afraid of confrontation, I'm afraid of speaking my truth, is actually what's underneath that, is that they are afraid and that's destructive fear saying, stay silent, stay good, close it off, shut it down, keep the status quo, make everybody happy. Well, as we are coming to realize, when we don't speak our truth with courage, dignity, and respect, it's what's causing one of the key things, not the only thing, that's causing the epidemic of anxiety, depression, loneliness, despair, because people are not aware that this is destructive fear at work. It's one of its many, what I call tentacles, right? And so the idea, you're saying people don't notice it, absolutely not. We don't. That's one of the things I note straight out of the gate and joy from fear. If you had told me, you know, years ago that my life was run by fear, Gwilda, I would have looked at you. I would have laughed and said, I am tough. I am strong. Other, I, My life isn't run by fear. I didn't recognize it, and that is the beauty of getting to understand the process of destructive fear, constructive fear, and transformational fear, which is the outcome, because then you can start looking at your life wherever you feel stuck. Wherever you feel anxious, held back, depressed, and really start doing the work to start having the conversations with yourself. Some, some people might need a therapist at first to help them, right? But getting to the bottom of each one of those things, there's almost nothing that you couldn't give me or a client couldn't give me as a problem, an issue, or I couldn't find destructive fear at work.
2: It's it's rampant, isn't it? It's just rampant in our society, and it seems like we've been conditioned into this destructive fear to control us by, you know, society.
5: I absolutely agree, and the part that has me really worried. Um, And I try very hard to not be a judgmental person. But when I look at what's happening with our culture, and that people are now being conditioned to medicate with prescription drugs, right, almost 60% of people who go into their doc, and we're not, we're only talking about the people who go into their doc, not to the people who are suffering and don't see a doctor, almost 60% of the people who go in and tell their physician that they're having a psychological issue um, are given medication without therapy mm. with no and yes go
2: and don't we tend to override the medication ultimately i mean if 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 our life you know we believe our life depends on experiencing this anxiety and being hypervigilant when we medicate it away don't we just kind of override that and continue needing more and more meds
5: that's exactly exactly you went straight to the heart of it it's not that the medication is problematic it's that we're not treating the underlying issue and in fact given the way that medications are dispensed often in sort of a target practice sort of way you know they give what they think might work many clients feel even more depressed more anxious or more broken when the medication doesn't fix things or when there are side effects and it's not the client's it's not the patient's fault it's the problem with our system so that is one key issue i have where we are teaching people hey your issues underneath can be solved by a magic bullet and the only magic bullet guilda that i'm aware of is self-work And that, to me, is the magic bullet. And we don't like to do the self-work. We don't like to do the reading. We don't like to do the groups and the therapy because that takes effort. That takes money. And often we would rather just do something that's quick. So then what do people do? People go to their other tools in their tool case, right, which is alcohol, marijuana, opioids, anything to ease the pain again whether it's a pro- prescribed med or a med purchased you know in a store or given to somebody by a friend you're not addressing the underlying issue and so whenever that med is gone or substance is gone there's your issue
2: only it's only it's older and bigger and it's grown teeth right
5: exactly yeah, so, so older bigger with teeth said beautifully
2: speaking of which I've noticed that the older we get, uh, if we haven't been processing, if we haven't been doing our work, it seems like people all of a sudden hit a brick wall and uh, really get overwhelmed. Uh, have you, is that a fact or am I uh, reading that into it?
5: I think that you are really picking up on a fact As you said, the older we get, we seem to hit a brick wall if we don't address our issues. And I believe that that is somewhat like um, a tea kettle building up steam building up steam building up steam and you can contain it for so long the psyche can contain that for so long but at some point it's going to rupture it's going to explode whether it's um and some people do that routinely with temper tantrums and that sort of thing but even a temper tantrum isn't solving what's causing that fire that's causing the steam to build and so i think what happens is sometimes some people will have a quote-unquote midlife crisis, which might happen at any time or multiple times in life. And they think that buying the fancy car or, you know, having, you know, several affairs or, you know, taking a fancy trip, that those will cure it. And again, they're more like a medication. They'll feel good at the moment. They'll feel good as long as you're pressing the buy now button. But once the thrill of that purchase is gone, You forget what you've purchased.
2: Because it goes away, yeah. Because it
5: it didn't fix it, right? It didn't fix it because of why it's not joy and that doesn't mean that all purchases are bad right we can buy something lovely for a partner or for the self or for the garden and enjoy it and cherish it and think of the memory behind it but in general many purchases are about consuming to fill the void in the soul and that void in the soul which is where we find that void is the place that joy wants to live joy wants to be grown and we don't even understand i'm switching topics really quickly, but we don't even understand the meaning of the word joy anymore.
2: Right. That's that's depressing. Um, You know, there's some real hidden disorders that are fear-based. Would you speak to those, please?
5: So the obvious ones that are fear, right, are anxiety. And anxiety is a fear of something in the future, often a very amorphous fear, something we can't get our our hands around we just know we're afraid and we're chronically afraid and interesting enough Gwilda, i think that there's i'm really getting in touch with this a lot of anxiety is about the fear of who we are well, who is that isn't that interesting mm-hmm. who is that person i am and i don't want to know her i don't want to know him i'm too afraid and I was knee deep after having been gone for a bit. I was knee deep in that sort of issue with a couple of my clients yesterday where we're really working on, wait a second, what about you are you so afraid of? What about you and that, that beautiful, successful, wonderful being, that potential you have inside of you? What part of you are you af- What are you afraid of in there? And sometimes you'll run into that with people who um, have anger management issues or substance abuse issues where they really do have something to be afraid of inside. They have pushed down and pushed down and pushed down and pushed down um, all of these angers and resentments. And so it becomes a Pandora's box sort of thing. Well, don't and they- you
2: eventually resonate with that? And that's what you become. So no wonder you're afraid to look
5: you absolutely you are you said it perfectly you resonate with it it becomes it's living in your soul it's like having all of these giant monsters in your being but the beautiful part of it is and I work you know a lot with um, uh, say porn addicts I work a lot with with addiction and one of the pieces that I've really found with porn addiction is that it's often this deep loneliness and this deep resentment, often at women, often at the self. But once people have the courage to come in and get treatment for whatever their issue is, and, you know, a good therapist is going to be coming from a place of non-judgment. There's nothing in my, you know, I've seen, pretty much well, everything in my office i'm afraid we're going to have to take another
2: break it of is course. time for a short pause carla and i will return to our discussion on the other side of this break so you stay right there this is the mission evolution radio show and we're coming to you on the Zone broadcast network www.xzbn.net we'll see you on the other side of this break As promised, we're back. This is the Mission Evolution radio show, missionevolution.org, bringing leading-edge information, supporting the path to enlightenment. We're speaking with clinical psychologist, Dr. Carla Manley. Her website, drcarlamanley.com. Carla, I understand you use a holistic mind-body-spirit approach. What are the ways fear impacts us on the physical level?
5: On the physical level... Fear can impact us in our ability to sleep. It can impact us on our ability to eat properly, to exercise properly, to actually have a body that we feel at home in, a body that feels good and right to us. And all of that, when we are out of balance, when our relationship with fear is not in balance, in being able to see destructive fear and listen to it, and see constructive fear and listen to it, then the entire body gets out of balance. We have sleepless nights, we have nightmares that we're not paying attention to, we um, stuff our faces with comfort food, eat too much, uh, say, oh, no. And so you can see how then even our ability to focus,
2: our ability yeah, to see doesn't, clearly. Doesn't, uh, aren't we in, being in fight or flight, doesn't that compromise our digestion and all sorts of other things, our adrenals?
5: Absolutely. So when the body is in a place of anxiety and we often become so anxious acclimated to anxiety that we don't realize we're in an anxious space we are just living in that space of speeding from one thing to another the body is filled with elevated levels of adrenaline and cortisol adrenaline and cortisol are intended to be in the system occasionally to help us run from that bear or run from the tiger right but when they're in the system chronically because we're in chronic stress chronic distress then all of the energy that is meant for the functioning of the body systems in a fluid manner including digestion including focus um, goes to that fight or flight space where we are preparing to be attacked and so of course then our our digestive system isn't working well. Our brain isn't working well because we're focused on escaping. And so, yes, it absolutely affects the mind, the body, and the spirit. And as you can tell, of course, if we're in fight-or-flight mode, we're not being mindful. We're not being conscious. We are preparing to be attacked. Attack. Yes.
2: How, how does spirit compromise us emotionally?
5: Um. Fear compromises us emotionally because it doesn't allow us to see things as they really are. We see things through a lens of fear instead of seeing and, you know, talking earlier when I was saying it about people being afraid of communicating. So they might see the person across from them, the husband or the wife, as the enemy when that person is just saying you know loving or kind things if the speaker has a strong fear strong anxiety often called an inner critic right then they can't even hear what the other person is saying. They it totally in,
2: distorts reality, it sounds it like.
5: It absolutely distorts reality. And where I see it so much is in couples therapy, right? When Or, you know, when you have two people in a room, it could be two business partners who are at odds with each other. But I don't work with business partners, so I will see it in couples therapy where she's saying one thing, he's saying another thing, and she's not she is so angry and such in a place of fear and and it can be either way right that she's not even hearing what he's saying
2: right she's hearing what she's he's she's afraid he's going to say
5: yes so she's a he's she's she is hearing what he is afraid he is going to say which may not be anywhere near what he is actually saying
2: and isn't that coming from her past very likely so it, she's hearing what she's afraid she's, you know, from her childhood.
5: Exactly. You, you've you said it beautifully. And that is exactly what it comes down to, is she is in that room hearing, as you said, what she thinks. heard in her childhood and so through and the brain is very impressionable when we are, are young so here he's trying to talk and sometimes you know people are highly combative so they're both having issues but often you'll see that one person is trying to reason or speak their truth and the other person is hearing through the lens of the mother the father the elder brother they're not hearing their partner they're hearing what they think their partner is going to say which is the code for that they're hearing their own inner critic their own inner voice
2: and And, when you get two people doing it at the same time then you have a real
5: mess don't you oh it's it's horrific it is it can be absolutely one of the most difficult parts of therapy when you have two people who both have unhealed childhood trauma and um, it can be a therapist. I, I I've had that, and I've had that recently in my therapy room. And it is one of the. It takes great um, strength to work with that because you have to stay really centered, and and really each person in that situation needs individual therapy at the same time. You know, well, sometimes by you're the only, you're the only adult present, right? Exactly. But in those cases, I'm referring people out and saying, hey, you get individual therapy, you get individual therapy, and then I can see you while that's going on. Um, But yes, it can get really because again, that's fear. And fear has a way that's why I use the word immobilization with us. Fear has a way of strangling us so that our perceptions are distorted.
2: And it seems like we're all affected by that. Nobody's free of it.
5: No one is free of it. No matter how how much self-work that you've done, no matter what profession you're in, I believe that we've all had some sort of childhood wounds. And so sometimes, no matter how far in our path we are, if someone knows how to trigger us or wants to trigger us or we get unexpectedly triggered, that we really have to use all of our wherewithal, even those who are very practiced, to stay centered, to stay non-reactive, and we can still get pushed over the edge.
2: And here's another shadow side of fear and triggers is don't people learn to manipulate each other through the, through, through the other person's triggers?
5: Sadly, that's very true. It is one of the um, most difficult parts of family relationships, of couple relationships, of friendships that. In being in proximity to someone and heart to heart with someone, they get to know our deepest wounds and our deepest fears, right? So instead of using that deepest wound and deepest fear and shoring up a person, which is what one would want in a loving relationship, you would want someone to know your fear And respect it and hold it and say, I love you. You're safe. You're not in danger. Everything's going to be okay. However, it takes an elevated person to do that. So many times you'll have couples where one or both is actually using that fear to say, I hate you or I'm going to leave you or, um, you know, if
2: you don't buy me what I want.
5: Yes. If you mm-hmm. don't do what I want, um, if you don't shut up, if you don't get small, if you don't be a Stepford wife, if you don't be this, you know, something like that. And so there's this often overt and sometimes more subliminal kind of threatening going on. And that won't lead a relationship forward. It will lead it either downward or just into a place of stuckness. So the idea in therapy, the idea in relationship, which, which to me is what makes relationship the most beautiful thing in the world, is that you give somebody else the gift of your wounds. And then they give you the gift of their wounds. Now, this doesn't have to be, you know, couples it can be girlfriends right boyfriends whatever but and then that person holds that wound and helps heal the wound by tending to it and loving you as you're also tending and healing your your wounds as well it's not the other person's responsibility but it's that sense of tenderness kindness and respect and when that person nicks your wound as we all do in relationships right that they take responsibility and move through that fear because then fear can often be present people don't want to apologize they don't want to take responsibility and instead move through that fear and say hey i'm so sorry i apologize i hurt your feeling i see what happened i understand how that hurt you i'll try my best to avoid doing that again Mm -hmm. and that's yes
2: how does how does fear compromise us spiritually this is an interesting concept, and if you wouldn't mind defining what you mean what, what we mean by spiritually
5: what I mean by spiritually is as you you know mentioned in the beginning we have the physical we have the mental we have the emotional we have the spiritual spiritual to me is almost inseparable right from the mental and and the emotional. Um, but it's in a different realm. It is the realm of the soul and the realm that our culture often doesn't pay attention to. But that's where the joy comes in. And when we tend to the spiritual realm, which is that quiet place inside of us that has nothing to do with being fed by the material world and everything to do with being fed by one's connection to one's divine whatever that divine is, be it God, be it Buddha, be it science, be it love, be it family, be it friendship, be whatever you want to call it, right? That higher power that lets you know that you are not alone, right? And that you are loved and that there is this power of love. And for some people, their their sense of spiritual connection simply comes from knowing love and that sense of being loved and loving. And so when we're able to tend to that without being afraid. To me, that is the most exquisite place in our being because that is where joy is found.
2: Mm. Well, we're going to have to, again, take another commercial break. Carlin uh, and I will be back shortly and we're going to talk about spirit, the spirit and fear. <laughs> so don't leave us now. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.
1: If you are looking for a safe zero calorie natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for.
2: Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. To suggest a topic or guest, email us, info at missionevolution.org. Our guest this hour is clinical psychologist, Dr. Carla Manley. Her website, drcarlamanley.com. Carla, we were just dancing with the, the, how uh, fear impacts us spiritually. Um, and aren't they kind of diametrically opposed? Can you really be in connection with your own spirit and that, therefore uh, the spirit of all that is if you're in fear?
5: No, I don't believe that you can. And um, after our interview, here's a good example of how it gets in the way. I will be headed to a volunteer slot with a drug and alcohol rehab center where I lead meditation um, once a week. And what I find is that routinely the women in some shape or form will tell me that meditation has allowed them, as they're on their journey away from self-soothing with substances, has allowed them to come into connection with their higher power, whatever that means to them. And I've been doing this for many, many years, and that is one very key piece of, let's call it, we'll loosely call it research, right, where I've had experiences week after week after week where that is the common theme, that when we're able to let go of the mind, when we're able to let go of self-soothing behaviors that aren't positive for us, that we do become more and more in connection with our spirituality and more aware of how destructive fear interferes with that, and how constructive fear is the pathway—one of the pathways—to being connected to our sense of spirit, of soul. And so, would, that's-
2: you, would you go into briefly uh, constructive fear? I don't think we've really covered that well enough to understand it.
5: Okay. Constructive fear is basically the other side of the bully, (laughs) that we have this very obvious face, the bully, the destructive fear that tells us everything that we shouldn't be doing and keeps us stuck or what we should be doing. It works against the self. Then if we learn to listen to that voice, we'll find a softer voice on the other side, the yin and the yang, right? And constructive voice is the voice that says, you are a good person. You are powerful. You can do this. You are strong. You are wise. You can create the life of your dreams. That is constructive fear. It will always be soft. It will always be gentle. It will always be honest. But I I don't see how that's fear. Ah, it's constructive fear. It is the side that, remember, the yin and the yang of it, it is talking back to destructive fear. It's It's interesting that you say, I don't see how it's fear, because that's operating from the assumption that fear is always negative. Fear is not always negative. Fear can propel us if we listen to the other side, that other side, the, you know, the Janus face. The other side of fear has a positive message. Fear is not the enemy we think it is. If we listen to our fear, if we don't get stuck with just seeing the one side, but see the other side, that's the constructive piece, Gwenda.
2: So it's it's the antidote.
5: Yes. And then once we listen to our constructive fear and go, oh, I get it. Some people, so it takes a lot of courage just to get there. That takes a lot of courage and a lot of dedication. But then why don't people move forward from that space? If that was the antidote, well, you have the antidote, but you're not using the energy to to take the antidote and utilize it. And that's what happens when you take the messages of constructive fear, take action, which is why I put so many tools and exercises in joy from fear. Because it's putting it into action. It's the practicing. It's the daily rewiring of your system that will lead to transformational fear that will lead you down the path to joy.
2: You know, there's, uh, for years ago, uh, there was a big thing, these positive affirmations. And it sounds like the part of the the uh, positive fear, if you will, is uh, a positive affirmation that's the antidote to the negative affirmation. However, unless you work through the negative affirmation and start recognizing it, you're just painting on a band aid, aren't you?
5: Absolutely. And it's, I like that you call it a positive affirmation, and sometimes it is. You know, simply a positive affirmation. And sometimes it's more in like a code of a code of um, empowerment that is a little bit difficult to decipher that says you're not what somebody told you you are or you don't need to be stuck and then so sometimes it'll come through in the negative and then we have to switch it into the positive into the affirmation into the empowerment and sometimes it will come through in a thing that says exercise sit meditate so not necessarily always an affirmation but sometimes a suggestion and then when we follow that suggestion that says exercise maybe during that walk we meet a person who enlightens us or we decide to sit on a on the park bench during the middle of the walk and we meditate or during our walk we let go of the anger that had us bound up So it's interesting the many ways that constructive fear can arise.
2: So it can drive us into uh, that flow of synchronicity where what we need appears.
5: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's connected to spirituality because as we become more used to the dance again, the dance of destructive fear and constructive fear, it's simply first cultivating the awareness that it's happening. And you spoke to that earlier. Sometimes we just don't have the awareness of it. And once we become aware of it and aware of the dance, then we can start stepping back and almost laughing at it, laughing at how humorous it is that um, I was working with a client yesterday who wants to write, but she's afraid of writing because she's afraid of failing. So we start working with the dance back and forth of how destructive fear has her in this negative hold then when we bring constructive fear to life and then try and do something about it destructive fear comes in the back door and says oh no 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 and looks 10 years down the line and says everybody's going to be laughing at you you'll never get there you'll you know and so it's funny that so we started we started as we worked with it more we realized how ludicrous some of destructive fears messages are yeah and how if
2: you listen to them right? If you you listen to them and write them down, you look at it and you go, that doesn't hold water.
5: Exactly. And then you're able to start laughing at it. And, you know, the funny one for me was when I decided to get on my own path, I thought, okay, what's the worst that can happen to me? And a voice said, you can end up under a bridge, alone, destitute. And I thought, uh, I could deal with that.
2: <laughs> of course, <laughs> might it didn't be some happen.
5: People underneath there, right? <laughs> it might be, and it never happened, nowhere close to it. But by entertaining it and allowing that possibility to be there, I was able to say, "Hmm, okay. Well, I really know it'll never get that bad. I mean, my mom loves me, right? Everything will be okay. But um, and that would never happen. But we can look and say." And once we start doing that dance, people say, I'm terribly afraid of speaking in public. And I'll say, well, what can happen? You know, it's the worst. You get up on the stage, you have a stain on your shirt, you fall down. Well, hey, if that happens to me and I get up on stage and I have a stain on my shirt, I'll say, hey, you know, look, I spilled my coffee. Sorry about that. I slip and fall. I go, let me take off these high heels, never wear those again. (laughs) And I would continue on my way.
2: Yeah, I'd be embarrassed. If there's one piece of advice that you could give anyone who suffers from paralyzing fear and anxiety what would that be
5: I would say reach out for support Really, don't suffer alone. Don't suffer in silence. Please don't think you're broken or th- there's something wrong with you. There's not. It's simply that you've gotten stuck in a place that's very quicksand-like, and we often can't get out of quicksand alone. So reach out to a therapist, You know, a spiritual guide, a best friend. Women's support groups, men's support groups can be some of the most beautiful realms of doing self-work, and face it. Face your fear, don't let it control you.
2: It becomes, it becomes like this squirrel wheel, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how can befriending fear aid spiritual evolution?
5: Oh, what a beautiful question. Because it's everything. If we befriend our fear and it's not controlling us, then we become our best selves we might not be our best selves 100% of the time but we're well on our way and the more we are our best selves the more we're lights in the universe lights to the self lights to those who come into contact with us and isn't that what the world needs the world needs more people who are light rather than living in shadow and darkness and so that helps not only our own spiritual connection our our own, own soulfulness but then we become beings beacons for people who have lost hope and have lost faith.
2: Mm, that is beautiful. How, how do you see the world changing if more people learn to constructively work with fear?
5: Oh, I see it becoming less of the toxic realm that so many people are in, where they're I'll answer it in the negative, Guilda, that if what we're doing was working, we wouldn't be having epidemics of loneliness, sleeplessness, uh, drug abuse, and overspending. Mm-hmm. And it, So what we're doing is not working. And clearly, what does work is when people feel good about who they are, Beautiful. when they face... We're, yes.
2: We're going to have to, as time, time has flown, and now we're out of... Carla, thank you so much for coming on the show.
5: My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for spreading the word that you do.
2: Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Our guest this hour has been Dr. Carla Manley, clinical psychologist and author of Joy from Fear, Create the Life of Your Dreams by Making Fear Your Friend. Her website, drcarlamanley.com. For our amazing past episode collection, visit our website, missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Wilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xbn.net. Join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world.